Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Always good, but our God is good. Situations aren't always good, but our God is so, so very good. Awesome. Who's ready for the Word of God this morning? Um, over the last couple of couple of weeks, we've been walking through First Peter and. You know, in, in some of that, we've been going verse by verse, really just opening up First Peter. But this morning, it's actually going to be really difficult for me to go verse by verse, to really address what Peter is addressing, really in these next three chapters. Uh, one of the reasons why, it, it's three chapters long. I don't have the time today to read through three chapters for you uh, for a number of reasons. One, some of you want to go home today. Two, some of you are already hungry thinking about lunch. Three, some of you fall asleep enough when I'm preaching for half an hour, let alone preaching for three hours. So I I need to, listen, don't don't know why me, I've seen it happen. I I stand here watching your eyes, remember? Those sunglasses don't work for you, I tell you. But Peter, in fact, does something else. He jumps around a little bit. I was talking to my dad a little bit through my message this week, and I said, Dad, I feel like Peter and you, are so similar because when my dad's preaching a message, he preaches like 15 messages in one. And by the time he finishes, I'm so full because he's preached about so much and jumped all over the place. I'm a pretty simple guy, so I try to stick to one thing at a time. Uh, But dad doesn't do that. You know, when dad preaches, he sends you home with so much information. I always say to dad, that message you preached, I could have spent a year preaching out of that. That was so powerful. But Peter does this. In, In the next three chapters, Peter jumps between a number of different things, but predominantly round one theme, and it's the theme of suffering. The, the, the theme of dealing with suffering and how we respond to suffering. That is what he spends a whole bunch of time talking about. And listen, Peter is highly qualified to speak about suffering. Have you ever had advice from somebody that really wasn't qualified to tell you what they, what the, the, the subject is about like I've taken learner drivers driving on the road and they're driving with me for a minute and they're trying to tell me about driving listen you've done prep L and you've sat behind that wheel of that car for 30 seconds don't go telling me what's right and what's wrong and your prep L and what it's told you to do anyone ever had a learner play driver try and do that with you before what about for the parents in the room somebody that doesn't have kids trying to teach you about parenting Can I have an amen from someone who feels that that's a ridiculous thing? I remember when we first had our sons, uh, Pastor Wendy's sister was encouraging Pastor Wendy how she should parent our sons and how our sons were too crazy and they shouldn't be crazy like that. She had no sons at the time. She now has two and a number of times she's apologized to Pastor Wendy saying, you know what, I probably judged a bit early on on the parenting skills when I didn't have my own kids. Now I have my own, you've got good boys. (laughs) Listen, Peter doesn't come and teach on suffering from someone that hasn't suffered. This is a guy that, A, walked Jesus through and was beside Jesus through the biggest time of suffering in human history. He's a guy now that 15 years later, 
has gone through being imprisoned, being beaten, has gone through significant challenges, so much so that the church of Jerusalem spread right across the globe because of the suffering and the persecution was so great. And he's writing from that point to people that have been spread right across the globe because of that suffering. He's writing to them about how they should deal with suffering. He's pretty well qualified. It's not a learner play driver. It's, it's not a, a parent without kids. It's a guy that understands suffering, writing to people who are suffering. And now I look across this room, and I know some of you in this room are pretty qualified to speak about suffering. I, I look across this room, and I know many stories. I don't know all of your stories, but I know many. I know people in this room that have come to Australia as asylum seekers out of incredible suffering. I know some of you have come as refugees. I know there's people in this room that have nearly been shot. I know there's people in this room that have been shot and have had to deal with warfare and, and incredible suffering to come into this house. So can I just say from that point, it's a really difficult topic, topic for me to preach on because I'm preaching to people that have understood suffering, walked through suffering, and maybe some of you have dealt with significantly more suffering than I have. But I'm trying to open up the Word of God and trying to open up from a guy that genuinely understands suffering. Peter, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, says this, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial uh, which is to try you, as, some, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings. When His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. He says, don't think it's strange that you're going to suffer. This, this is one of those incredibly profound yet annoying verses. How dare he say to us Christians that have received Christ that we're still going to have to deal with bad stuff. But he does. He says, listen, don't find it as something strange. Don't find it as something weird. When you actually deal with some stuff in your life and have to go through moments in time where things are a little tough and things are a little hard to get through and hard to deal with and, and hard to walk through. Don't think it's a strange thing because it's actually going to happen to your life and to the life of many around you. You're going to have to deal with suffering is the simple thing that he's saying right there. Now, the question then can come from that point of why do we have to deal with suffering? Can I just say something right now to us as a church? The hardest and most difficult question to ask pre-eternity is why. Listen, when we get to eternity, all of this becomes so clear. Why can pin you in your suffering? The best answer, though, I can give you, because many of you have asked the question of why is suffering, is this. We live on a broken planet, dealing with broken people who make broken decisions. And that point gives us a point where suffering is continually going to bump into us because we're bumping into broken people. Now, none of us are broken. We're all perfect. But everybody else in the world may be a little broken. So we deal with broken people and we have to walk our way through that. I want to remind you, Peter's writing to, to people that have had to move hundreds and hundreds of kilometers to survive their suffering. They were going to be killed and they fleed persecution. So these people have dealt with significant suffering like many of you in the room. And now he's writing to them saying, listen, the suffering's not over. You've suffered a lot. You've dealt with some stuff, but the suffering's not yet finished. 
it goes into verse into verse one in chapter four, and he says, "Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with this same mind. For he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin." Listen, he says, "Is arm yourselves with this same mind." This is an, ag- an aggressive statement. He's saying, "Arm yourself." with the mind that Christ had in his suffering. Arm yourself to walk the same way. And my message today is around this. How do we suffer? How do we deal with that? And how do we walk forward through those points from how Christ suffered and how he armed himself? St. Augustine said this, God had one son on earth without sin, but he never had one without suffering. Peter understood it. Peter walked with Jesus through that suffering. And now he starts to address these things. I'm going to do my best to skip through. Can we do this? We're going to start in verse in chapter 2. He skips through, and in chapter 2, he addresses suffering in the workplace. Now, we've got to get context here. He's writing to first century Christians that didn't have laws around the workplace and how you deal with conflict in the workplace. They didn't have laws around bullying in the workplace in first century workplaces. That's not the case. Listen, in first century workplace, there wasn't like, oh, my boss is really terrible. I'm going to go and ring up uh, my union and my union rep's going to come and talk to my boss. None of that existed in first century Turkey where he's writing to these people. There was messy, ugly work environments, but he writes to these people about the fact that they're going to suffer in a work environment and he addresses how they should respond to that again. I want you to remember he's suffered. These guys have suffered. They understand the challenge of sufferings. And probably all of us have walked in a workplace like that. Before I was a pastor, I was a roof tiler, and I had a fairly crazy boss. Uh, I found Christ in the middle of that. My boss, uh, when I was an apprentice, I actually remember my boss yelling at me all of the time. And, and listen, I don't want to feel like one of those people when I was a kid, but I'm going to be there right now for a second. When I was an apprentice... This guy would yell at us continually. I remember carrying two buckets of concrete up a three-story ladder. That's with no hands holding on and him standing at the top telling me to hurry up. That, that was my apprenticeship. I remember waking up one night in the middle of the night and I'm sitting up going, I'm in my bed. Oh my goodness, my boss is going to yell at me for having my bed at work. You know, I dreamed about this guy. He got in my head. You know, in the middle of that, I found Christ and and. Listen, I wasn't one of those shy people. I tell everybody about Jesus. When I encountered Jesus, I just come to work the next day and told everybody until everybody at work was sick of me telling them about Jesus. And my boss come and sat down and said, you know, they talk about Jesus at work anymore. And I remember this one day I was over the back of the roof. I was working and he comes over and he hears me singing. He's like, you can't even sing about Jesus. You can't even do that. He was such a painful boss. I understand there is pain that can happen at work. And he addresses that. He addresses the workplace. He goes on further in in chapter 3 and starts to address suffering for our faith and for how we are as Christians. He addresses it in chapter 3 and he addresses it in chapter 4. Little side note. uh, In the middle of addressing the workplace and addressing suffering for faith, he talks about marriage. Now, for some of you in the room, that may be a suffering issue as well. I didn't want to address marriage too much as a suffering issue because I believe God can be a wonderful miracle worker in marriages and they shouldn't be suffering. Sometimes they are. 
I'm not sure if he was jumping about or he was just letting the flow through the suffering of marriage or not. I don't want to debate that too much, but he addressed it. And I thought I'll skip on and just go into suffering for our faith again. Uh, Again, this book is written to a bunch of people that suffered for their faith. Remember, they've moved hundreds of kilometers to save their life. They've taken their family, they've taken their kids, and they've fled the persecution that was there. And now he addresses that in two different chapters, that fact that they will have to deal with the issues that go on around their faith. In chapter 3, verse 13, he says, if you suffer for righteousness' sake. In chapter 4, verse 14 and 16, he goes on and says, hey, listen, if if you've done wrong, you're going to suffer. But if you've done right, don't be ashamed of your suffering. He goes into verse 4, into chapter 4 again, and he talks now about suffering against the world and against sin. Uh, He says, hey, Christ suffered, arm yourselves with that, uh, that you no longer should live as the rest of those that would live according to the flesh, with the lusts of men, uh, but for the will of God. Verse 3, he says, for we have spent enough time in our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in the lewdness, in lust, in drunkenness, in revelries, in drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Listen, all of us in the room, we're sitting here as perfect people. We never did any of those things before Christ. I can see a lot of smiles on people's faces that feel like, oh, that actually, the Bible is really relevant to my life. He says this, that we used to do those things, but now we don't. In verse 4, he says, in regard to these, they they think it strange that you do not run with them in the flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Anyone ever had that before? that you no longer do those things. Last year, uh, I went uh, and dove in the Australian Spearfishing Championships, of which myself and my, and my mate, we won the Australian Spearfishing Championships. We went to, at the end of that, we went to a, a big like presentation night. You know, I am there amongst 100 people, and I'm the only person that's not drinking and pretty drunk at the end of it. Most of them were pretty drunk. I'm not drinking. And... You know, I'm already stand out because I don't swear, I don't carry on. My boat is parked with everybody else's boat, and on the front of it, it says Amazing Grace. So I stand out a little bit in the middle of that, uh, in that world. And listen, we are supposed to stand out. That's supposed to be the way that we are. People are supposed to go and say, Tony, why are you so vastly different to the rest of the dog trainers that are training greyhounds in the greyhound training community. Why are you so different? We're supposed to stand out from that. Yannick, why are you so different to the rest of the drivers? No road rage, no hanging out the windows, sticking up your finger. Maybe that was when when Eva was driving the car, but not you. (laughs) That wouldn't be Eva. She's up the back there. Girl, we love you. Great to see you in the house of God today. Why are you different? We're supposed to stand out. He says, listen, you might suffer for that sometimes. You might. I remember Josh played in a TRL competition a little while ago, and they also won, and they, they were going out celebrating after, and, and he wasn't drinking. He wasn't carrying on like the rest, and they all asking him questions. Why are you like this, Josh? Why do you not drink? And then they're asking, do you have sex? And Josh's like, no, I don't. I'm not having sex until I get married. And they're like, what? Oh, my goodness, that is crazy. How do you survive? They're asking questions. Josh is like, how do you survive being so broken and messed up, for goodness sakes? Here is is the picture of what God wants us to walk like and to look like 
And yes, that is supposed to stand out from the community that we're in. We're supposed to look a little different. We're supposed to look a little different in the outworking of our lives. But you may suffer for that. You may suffer for the fact that you're a little different. Now, can I take a real big detour for a second here? Because something amazing happens at the end of that chapter, at the end of those verses. He says this, For this reason the gospel was preached to those also who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. That is a really big statement to be made there. And he actually makes a similar statement in chapter 3, verse 19. He said, by whom he went and preached to uh, the spirits in prison. Can I have a, just a theological side note? Because some of you may have asked the question, what is that all about? Listen, I've done a lot of study and a lot of research over the last couple of weeks about this. I've talked to some great theologian friends and, and people in my world that, that also have great thoughts around this. And the best that I can interpret this for you is this. Jesus, when he hung upon the cross, died. And in his moment of death, the, the, the Bible gives us the best picture that he went into what was known as Abraham's bosom or paradise at the time where every righteous person prior to Christ had died and was there. Jesus tells a story about Lazarus going and the rich man there and the rich man seeing Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. That place there of righteous men and women awaiting what Jesus was to do and the power of the gospel to set them free from that place and to go and be with Christ, go and be in heaven. Jesus hanging on the cross talks to the man, the righteous thief beside him who says, today you'll be with me in paradise. The Bible gives us a picture here of what Jesus did in that time as he went and preached the power of the gospel to those that were freed by that, freed by the power of the gospel, those prior to Christ who were righteous who are in that place of waiting, ready to go and be in heaven. We see that. The Bible then shows us that they received in themselves, they received that, that body to walk into eternity with. They received that. And listen, we, we see in the book of Matthew, some of them walked through Jerusalem on their way to go and be with God. Powerful picture, powerful story, mind-blowing picture that Peter actually touches on and addresses here. Again, that's my one minute's attempt to touch on a deep theological subject. I hope you can understand that. If you have more questions, please come and see Marika, who's sitting down over here. And she would love to spend hours opening that up for you deeply because she is a wonderful woman of God. And I'm happy to answer questions too. Uh, the, the fourth thing he, he talks about is suffering from attacks of the enemy. Uh, in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Listen, we have times of suffering when the enemy comes against us. We all do. We all go through those times. The enemy wants to devour my life and yours. He wants to devour my family and yours. He wants to devour our community. Listen, seeking whom he may devour. Every time I read that scripture, I'm reminded there's a whom he may devour. That also means there's whom he may not devour. We're going to understand the roaring lion's trying to devour your life when we're standing in faith, when we're standing in the things of God, when we're standing strong, putting on the armor of God. He may not devour my life and yours. This is the power of what he shows us right here. So Peter 
addresses a whole range of different things right there. And, and I, again, I've skipped through them and I'm sorry because it's such a big topic to touch on. But he speaks about so many different ways and places of suffering. I jumped around a little bit because I'm trying to follow Peter's jumping around a little bit. But I want to come back to the statement that he says there in, in chapter 4, verse 1. Arm yourselves with the same mind. Arm yourselves with the same mind. This is what he's saying. How do we actually deal with suffering as Christ did? How do you and I, in our minds, in our thinking, in our heart, deal with suffering the way Christ did in his life, in his thinking, in his mind? I want you to remember two things before we do this. I want you to remember he wrote to suffering people. If you've suffered in the room, he's writing to you. All of us in the room, we've all suffered. So he's writing to all of us about dealing with his suffering. I want to remind you, uh, secondly, that I do this very carefully because I know there is some deep suffering in this room. And I know some of you maybe have suffered significantly more than I have in my life. So I do this reticently and I do this carefully. And I do this with a heart and a realization that if you still have deep suffering that's causing you hurt, I encourage you to seek counseling and seek people that can help you walk through that suffering and let God heal that in your life so that you don't have to carry that suffering for the rest of your life. Again, I speak from somebody that hasn't suffered anywhere near many of you in this room. Thirdly, there is a key here that unlocks the rest of what I'm going to talk about. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 10, he lays out a picture of what's important when we lead up to understanding our response to suffering. Verse 5, he says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Listen, there is wisdom for the younger people in the room in submitting to elders. There is wisdom in that. I look at my father. He's significantly older than me. He has dealt with a lot of stuff. And when I'm submissive to his wisdom in my life, I can learn a lot from that man. When I'm not submissive to it, I don't learn. And I have to bump into the same brick walls he's bumped into. And they hurt my head. Well, I could save myself a bump in the head because I listen and I do that. But he adds, be submissive to one another. Listen, you may walk in this room thinking you're older and you're wise and everyone should listen to me. But some other people may also have walked through some stuff. I'm older than Deb, but if I'm sick, I come and say, hey, Deb, I submit to your wit. Well, I try to. I'm a very, I'm a very, very bad patient. Very bad patient. There's a bad example, but I'm still going to use it. Deb, help me in my stubbornness to learn. Yes, that means Deb drives me to the hospital and drops me off because I've got appendicitis. And I'd suffered at home for three days with appendicitis and she finally dragged me by my ear to the hospital and I submitted to the pain in my ear more than my she took I did go there did I not Deb when you kicked me out of the car like that as you drove past the Logan hospital be submissive to one another he adds there let's go on with the message God gives grace to the proud I resist the proud gives grace to the humble Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Listen, this is the key, that he may exalt you in due time, casting your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Listen, God is the key to every level of submission. My father taught me something when I was a young man. He made a statement that has stuck with me all the way through. He said, no man controls your destiny. My boss is Pastor Mark Ramsey, but he doesn't control my destiny. God does. 
and his direction for my life. I walk with Pastor Mark as my leader because God has asked me to serve in the house of God and God has asked me to be here in this place because God controls my destiny. I walk together with the great leadership of my senior pastor, of which I am so grateful, but it is God who controls my destiny. He says in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, listen, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I want to be really clear about something right here. God doesn't cause suffering. But he always uses it. If you've suffered in the room, don't think God caused my suffering. He made, no, 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 no. God didn't cause, a broken world caused your suffering. But an unbroken God takes your life through that suffering and forms something powerful in who you are. He allows it to be used and shaped and formed in your life. And we'll touch on that a little later. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. Sorry, James chapter 4. Uh, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Two times right here, we see it from Peter and we see it from James, that we submit to God. We bring our lives in submission to his direction. Listen, don't take the points that I'm giving you in a moment without the reality that I must be submitted to God's leadership in my life. I must be submitted to his leadership in my workplace. I must be submitted to his leadership in my family. I must be submitted to his leadership around areas of who I am and where I connect with other people. It's God's direction in my life that enables what I'm about to open up and talk about to really be important and direct our lives. How do we respond? Using Peter's direction here, how do we respond? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. What credit is it when you are beaten for your faults? You take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Again, I need to stop here and say, I know some of you have suffered huge injustices. And some of you have suffered in your workplace. Some of you have suffered in your community. Some of you have suffered in family life even before you're uh, able to understand suffering. And I come from that point to the place of what God's saying before, being submitted to Him, that we can actually deal with some of those things patiently. Again, I come to this as sensitively as I can because I, I, I want to speak to something that is deep and that is profound and that is hard with the things that you've walked through and the things that you've done. If God's called us to be into a place and it's suffering in that place, that we would patiently walk through that again does God cause this suffering no he doesn't does God use this suffering yes he does if we suffer patiently what's the outcome the outcome is the things that Peter addressed before that we become perfected and changed and transformed listen the opposite to suffering patiently is suffering impatiently When's this going to change? God, when are you going to fix this situation? When are you going to fix this person? When are you going to fix my boss? What's the outcome of that? Is the outcome of that peace? 
Is there ever peace without patience there? No, there's not. There's frustration. There's frustration at the situation. Have you noticed when you get frustrated at a situation, it doesn't get better? Has anyone noticed that? Because there's no peace in the situation. But when you're frustrated, there's no peace inside. Listen, Peter's trying to address the patient aspect of this suffering with trying to address what's going on in our hearts. Listen, the situation may not change, but in patience, something changes inside of us. Now, I I know sometimes we've needed to leave situations because the suffering is too great. Remember, Peter's writing to people who left the situation because their lives were in danger. If you're in a place where you're suffering, your life's in danger, your kid's life's in danger, you need to leave that situation. Listen, you can stay patient outside of the situation that is at risking your life. These people were, but he's saying still stay patient because patience is an internal aspect that you need to make sure that you can actually fix and change. What's going on in your heart? If you don't stay patient with the things that go on around you, you will only get broken and messed up. Listen, the testings of the trial of patience are good if we get through them. If we get impatient, if we get angry, they're not good because they produce the opposite. I'm not perfected in impatience and losing my peace. I am perfected in patience and keeping my peace through my challenges. I am not perfected when I get angry and frustrated and I want to murder the person that's frustrating me. It's about what's going on in our hearts. So Peter who suffered, Peter who saw Jesus suffered, realize this, Jesus on the cross did it patiently. What did he say? Father, forgive them. What an incredible picture. He says, arm yourself with the mind of Christ. The second thing he says for us to do in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he says, not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviving, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Listen again, I have to come sensitively here. This is very difficult to talk about because sometimes the suffering has been vast. But Peter says to a people that have suffered vast suffering, now what your job to do is contrary to what everyone else does. Instead of when the person got angry of you, you get angry back. Instead of when the person was being so frustrating, you strangle them and revile them and you tell everyone around you how evil they are and you just continue to shout back and swear back at them and you just, he says, on the contrary to that, somebody has caused you suffering, you bless them. Listen, I know you're sitting in the room saying, it's easy because you got the mic and you're just preaching today and you're not suffering so much up the front there. You're right. It is easy to just talk about this. It is hard to live it. But we must. As people that have armed ourselves with the mind of Christ, Christ who lived this, Peter, who's had to live this for 15 years after Christ, now write about it. Let, let, me, let me just ask a question. How do we physically do this? How do we bless? I, I want to give you a couple of points on how we can. If it's safe, let the people know, let those that have hurt you, let them know that you forgive them. 
if it's safe. Hey, you've hurt me. Those words were wrong, but I forgive you. Just a little safe, just a little one, a side note here. Don't say, you've hurt me. You're an evil person. You're going to burn in hell. And then I forgive you. Like, let's just try and, I, I get that. I get we're, we're all holy and righteous while we're sticking the knife in the side of those people. I get what we're trying to do there. Where it's safe. Listen, sometimes it isn't safe. So where it isn't safe to do that, you forgive them anyway from a distance. Some places it's not safe. Some places in suffering, you can't go to that person that's caused suffering and you can't get it right. From a distance in your own heart, make sure you've forgiven them. Make sure you're not carrying the suffering with you. Let me add to that. Pray words, pray over them continually. Pray blessing over them, not words of cursing. You know, it's like we get down and we're so righteous and holy, Jesus. I've suffered and that person that caused me to suffer. Let them burn in the fires of hell in Jesus' name. Maybe love touching them whilst they're burning in the fires of hell. Listen, that's not the prayer I'm talking about right here. I'm talking a freeing prayer. My God, I speak blessing over that person right now. God, they've cursed me. God, they've hurt me deeply. But bless them. But bless them. Listen, that does something powerful. It brings a place for God to move in that situation. But it certainly gives a place for God to move in your heart. And in suffering, if there's somewhere that God needs to move, it's in our hearts. Because in our suffering, we need it bad. We need Him to do something in here. Because in here is hurting. In here it's difficult. Yes, the outside situations cause that. But in here is a place that we can control as we say, God, can you do something in me? Because I speak blessing. I prophesy blessing over that person's life. Listen, if it is safe, physically bless somebody that's causing you suffering. Tim, how dare you say that right now? That person at work is causing my life so much pain. There is no chance I would buy them a coffee and come and just bring it to them, put them on the desk and tell them have a good day. Because if I did that, I might trip as I go and spill that coffee in their face and, and slap them twice to try and wipe it off. Can I have an amen from somebody that's thought about that in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my second most amens after Pastor Wendy's too good for me, amen. Listen, I get some people have caused great hurt. But some of the powerful things we do is we reverse that hurt and bless somebody to free ourselves from the hurt, to free ourselves from the past, to free ourselves from what's happened. Now listen, sometimes it's not safe to do that. Do not go and do that into an unsafe environment. I am not telling you to do that. If it's an unsafe environment, don't go there. But if it's safe, go there. Paul writes in Romans, he says, if you do that, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. Listen, I know some of you just smile right now like, yes, give me the fire coals on the head. That, that's not about causing them pain. In fact, that fire coals is about putting a place where something can actually be shifted in their mind. Something can actually be shifted in their heart. Something can actually be shifted in their thinking. It's not about, I'm causing them pain. They cause me pain, praise God. God's not about that. That's not his nature. It's about coming and saying, listen, that I heap that on by my blessing, that God could maybe bring remorse there and bring a miracle there and bring a change to the situation. My third thought out of 1 Peter chapter 3, 
He says, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give defense to everyone who asks you a reason for your, the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Listen, this is what he's saying here. He's saying, set apart God in your hearts. That, that word sanctify, to be set apart, to set apart God in your hearts. Let me, let me just make this, can I make this real practical? If you've suffered, if somebody this week has hurt you and said some terrible words about you, this is what you've done. You've rehearsed those words hundreds of times. Hundreds of times you've thought about it. It started with a, I should have said this. When they said that to me, I should have said this. If I'd have said that, that would have been so smart. I would have just nailed them right there in that moment. This is what, this is what we do. We set apart our minds and our hearts to the situation. Because we rehearse it. We stay in it. We set ourselves apart in it. And, and listen, one word that was uttered, one phrase that was spoken, becomes our whole week. And we've thought about it a hundred times. We've talked to our husband or our wife about it when we got home. We've talked to our friends about it as well. And then we've talked to their friends' friends, and we've talked to their friends' friends' friends, and their friends' friends' friends, and our mate from next door, and then the bloke that we just bumped into on the train, we told them as well about the situation. And we're just telling everyone because we've set ourselves apart to the suffering. This is what Peter's showing us. He says, set yourselves apart unto God. Take the suffering and remove the thoughts. Remove the meditations. Remove this fact that we're speaking to everyone else about it. Bring it to God and say, God, I put this situation in your hands and I set myself apart under you, under your love, your grace, and your mercy. And while I was yet a sinner, yet a sinner you died for me. And while I was yet in my mess and brokenness, you loved me. And your grace and mercy is sufficient. I set myself apart and my thinking under him. Listen, the situation hasn't changed, but I'll tell you what my heart is. My mind is, my thinking is, this is a weapon for our lives. We often set ourselves apart unto our suffering. We go back to it. We live in it. We stay there. Peter's trying to free people from the suffering that's going on everywhere around them. He says, now bring your minds back to Christ about the beauty of who he is, the graciousness that he has for our lives, and set yourselves apart back to that place. Set our minds apart back to who Christ is, and what Christ has done. My fourth thought and the final one for you today. In verse 5, he says this, Likewise, younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submitted to one another and clothed with humility. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Listen, if you're in suffering and it's dangerous, don't submit to the situation. Again, he's speaking to people that have removed themselves from the situation for their safety. And I want to reiterate that clearly. But if it's not dangerous, don't be submitted to the situation in your heart. Let yourself be spiritually and mentally free from the situations and the suffering that you're in. Submit to God. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He says this, be sober. Be vigilant. Listen, that's interesting wording. We live in a generation that is a self-medicated mess. Sobriety is a lacking thing in our generation because there's a generation of people that feel like the best way to get away from my suffering is to self-medicate. 
I, I read a quote recently. Getting drunk is like stealing uh, tomorrow's happiness for today. Because you wake up tomorrow morning, the situation's the same, but now you feel like absolute dog manure. And the situation, in fact, is worse. It's interesting that he makes that statement. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because the adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are expressed by the brotherhood all around you. But may the God of all grace. Listen. Grace for salvation. But grace to walk through suffering. Grace to get whole from suffering. Grace to get free from suffering. Grace to walk into your future amidst suffering. Who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus. That is what you are called to. After you have suffered a while, He will perfect he will establish, strengthen, and settle you. Can, can I just break this down? He will perfect you. He'll perfect your thinking. He'll perfect your walk. He'll perfect your attitude. He'll establish you. Establishing you is about placing your feet on something solid, on the rock that is Christ. He will perfect your mind, perfect your thinking. He will establish your feet on something, and He will strengthen you. Listen, there's no, no use standing on something strong if you're not strong enough to stay there. So He will perfect you. He will put you in that place and establish your feet. He will then give you the strength to stay established. I love what he finishes with. And he will settle you. Listen, some of us have fought for so long, we can't get settled. We can't let our spirits be settled. Some of us have come from such suffering, from such conflict, that we, we walk into a whole new place of living, yet the conflict and the challenge and the issues are inside of us so wherever we go, we're not settled and we find conflict and we find challenge and we find suffering. Listen, again, I, I, I'm reticent to preach on this, but it's the truth of the Word of God. If you've gone through deep suffering, leave your suffering in the past so that you can be settled in your future. Otherwise, we go into the future, we carry our suffering with us and suffering keeps existing and we look for it everywhere. Even when it's not our business, we try and find suffering in other people so that we can knit our hearts to suffering. Peter's trying to talk to a bunch of people that have escaped now out of the suffering and he's saying, don't take the suffering with you. Let the Spirit of God come and be submitted to that. And when you're submitted to that, He can perfect your heart. He can perfect your life. Because yes, you're going to walk through little bits and pieces. And you're going to go through challenges. Let your heart be perfected. Let your feet be established in Christ. Let Him strengthen your life as a believer. But let your heart be settled so you're not looking for suffering wherever you go. You can live settled in yourself and peace can actually exist around your life. The Apostle Peter here understands the profound truth of who we are. Listen, if you're in the room and you feel like there's conflict everywhere around you, understand that's going to happen, but don't seek it out. And sometimes we need an internal audit from God that says, you're seeking that stuff. Get settled in your spirit. Get settled in your spirit. I've had times in my life where just conflict, conflict, conflict until I was looking for the next one and I felt the Holy Spirit just bring peace to me so I could just stop looking for conflict and just live settled in my spirit, settled in my heart, settled in who we are. Yes, we're going to go through things. Yes, they're going to create great things in us. Yes, they're going to build awesome stuff in our life. But we then need to be settled in who God's created us to be, in a place of peace, 
the peace he puts inside of us that brings peace to everything that we are. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the depth and the richness of your word. The richness of what it speaks to us. And today, we've dove in. God, I know you've spoken so much out of that. There's so much there. I pray that for every one of us across this room that we'd find our part. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to my life, to my future, to my family, to my situation, to my suffering, to my hardship? Lord, that you could do your work in us. God, I know that word you put in my heart weeks and weeks ago was for a number of people in this room. For a number of us. To speak to areas of our life. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that it wasn't my words today, it was your words. Your words that minister to people right across this room. To men, to women, to young folk, to mature folk. To those that have gone through small amounts of suffering, to those that have gone through vast suffering. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to all of us across this room. even with people that maybe don't know Christ here today. Knowing that our hope is anchored in Christ and the ability to be anchored through suffering is anchored in Jesus and who He is to us. I pray for people this morning that maybe don't know you, Jesus. That this day would be a day of coming into a depth of understanding Christ where they could come to know you, to know the richness of a relationship with you, heads about eyes are closed here just briefly this morning if you don't know Christ you're not walking with Jesus I'd love to pray for you right there in your seat this morning you're saying I, I need a relationship with Jesus I've gone through so much in life and I need to know this Christ you're talking about I'd love you to just to give me a wave say yeah Pastor Tim can you pray for me in my seat I want to come into a relationship with Jesus quickly this morning go on with the service, but this is a moment that is so profound and so important for your life today. Right across here this morning, if you're like that, just, Pastor Tim, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Anyone like that today? Awesome. Put that hand down, that's great. Who else this morning? Pastor Tim, I just need that. I need a fresh start with Christ. Up the back, that's great. Anyone join those two before I pray? God, we thank you for the power of this moment in those two lives. Hearts opening fresh to you. Afresh to your grace. Afresh to your love. Afresh to your mercy. Afresh to your goodness. Afresh to your kindness. I pray right now that you would touch those hearts. Jesus, you'd come. You'd see their hearts as they open to you and you bring a, a freshness as yesterday's washed away by the beautiful grace that's in Christ. God, I pray that you bring new life and new freedom and new hope and new joy to those hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.